Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashing, flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearls of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. This is the word of the Lord. Would you stay standing? We're going to pray here. Are you ready for chapter four? <laughs> Let's just invite God to just move in among us here this morning and to speak to us. Would you join me in prayer, Lord? Just thankful for who you are and for every person that is here this morning. And Lord, I pray even those that are joining us online, Lord, would sense the power of your presence. Lord, my prayer for us today is not that we would study about worship going on around the throne, but the Lord, that we would worship you, the one on the throne today. We would have an encounter with you the living one, the eternal one, the almighty one who was and is and is to come, that we would worship you today. God, our hearts are hungry, are hungry for you, for more of you. Lord, I pray that you would touch, that you would speak, that you would move uh, in every person's heart, mind, and soul today. 
matter where we're at in our relationship with you, Lord, would you meet us right where we're at, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to mention our big work party coming up Saturday, March 26th. We'd love to have you that, have that on your calendar. And we'd love to have you come and join us for the party. It's a work party. Uh, but it's going to be a party. And uh, tonight we'll talk more about it at our vision night. Six o'clock is the time for vision night. You'll hear more about that, why we're doing it. What's going on? Super excited about vision night tonight, guys. And I hope that you can join us. This is my invitation to you. Be there tonight. It's going to be a very important night for us as a community. Well, here we go. I'm back into Revelation. And we're calling it season two. And I'm going to take a few moments. I'm just going to recap just some foundational things that we hit in season one and dive into chapter four just for a few moments. And then we're going to go back into some more worship here today. But a lot of people wonder, what is Revelation all about? It's, it's all about the end of the world, right? Like the, this, the mass destruction of mankind. That's what Revelation is all about. And that's not completely accurate. In fact, the first five words of Revelation tell us what Revelation is all about. By the way, it's Revelation singular, not Revelations. Let's get that clear again, right? The first five words. This is, this uh, says the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what the book of Revelation is all about, it's all about Jesus. You will find Jesus all the way through this book. It is a revelation of who he is and what he is going to do as he comes back. Now, the word uh, revelation in the Greek is the word apocalypse, which is where we get the name of the series, right? Apocalypse. Apocalypse means to, uh, it means what is revealed or a disclosure. And so something through this book is revealed to us. Now, for us, in our Western culture in English, we tend to think of the word apocalypse as the end of the world, right? That's what that means. It means the end of the world has come in, the final battle, destruction of, of, of mankind. That's kind of what we tend to think of it. That is actually one of the definitions now because of how we use the word apocalypse and apocalyptic. But in the biblical sense, this is what apocalypse means. It means what is revealed, a disclosure. Something was covered or hidden that is now out in the open for you to see. And that's what takes place through Revelation for us. It is written in three different genres simultaneously. It's, it's a very unique book. It's apocalypse, it's a prophecy, and it's a letter. Apocalypse, prophecy, and letter all simultaneously. You could call it an apocalyptic prophecy in the form of a letter. That's really what the book of Revelation is. But it's an apocalypse. And Jesus wanted to reveal to us something very, very important. What is revealed? It's who's really in charge. That's what we learn through the book of Revelation. Who's really in charge behind what's going on in this world that we find ourselves living in? What is uncovered? What is disclosed is that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. So this book of Revelation, it is all about Jesus. And years ago when I read this book, I remember tweeting out 
this little tweet of mine that I thought was so brilliant and funny. I say, here's my summary of Revelation. Jesus wins. That's my summary. If I don't understand a lot about Revelation, but I did get that this time. Jesus wins. But as I go deeper into Revelation, even now, I've changed it to Jesus reigns. That's really what Revelation declares to us, is Jesus reigns. Please know that no matter what you go through in your life, Jesus reigns. No matter what happens in this world, Jesus reigns. No matter what you see on the news, that truth still stands. Jesus reigns. As we pray about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and and all of that, please know this. In the midst of all of that, Jesus still reigns. And that's what we read and what we see in Revelation. If you don't understand anything else that we talk about in this entire series, just understand that Jesus reigns. That's as deep as your theology really needs to go, to be honest. Jesus reigns. Beyond that, what happens, how it happens, what is the mark of the beast really? You know, when the timeline are we going to be taken before the, the tribulation, middle, I mean, all of that, all of that really matters is that Jesus reigns. That's really what matters. So Revelation really is about three things. You see three themes in every chapter, all throughout from beginning to end. You'll see it's about Jesus. It's about his church. And it's about his kingdom. All throughout the book, that's what you see continually. Jesus, his church, and his kingdom. And it's written by a guy named John. This John guy was probably the disciple John, one of the 12 that walked with Jesus, that, that hung out with him, did life with him, was there watching Jesus die on the cross walked with Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead and came and appeared back to his friends and his disciples. That, this is that John. He's been faithfully serving Jesus, preaching Jesus, leading the church, starting churches, starting disciple or making disciples of Jesus like he was commanded to do uh, for, for decades. And now he's the last of the living disciples. History, some historians say that they actually tried to kill John several times. They couldn't kill him. It, for some reason, God just kept him alive. And so they're like, we give up. And they banish him to the island of Patmos. Patmos was like a penal colony. Think of it like an Alcatraz. Okay? That's where all these prisoners would go. And that's, that's where he's at. He's banished. But what we see in John is John has not given up. He hasn't thrown in the towel. He's not like, Jesus, man, I, I did my best for decades. And now I guess my time's up. Love you, Jesus. It's time to retire. That was a good life, Jesus. Like, he hasn't quit. He's not given up. He is still seeking God. He is still studying. He is worshiping God. What we see in verse 10 is he says, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. He's worshiping God. He's caught up in the presence of God. He continues to worship God. And he has this apocalypse on the Lord's day. See, as he continued to seek God, all of a sudden, one, one day... He has this encounter with, with, with Jesus that results in this apocalypse that we get to read. And can I just say, Jesus wants to speak to you too. He wants to reveal things to you as well. He wants to apocalypse things for you. First and foremost, he wants to reveal who he is to you. Sometimes he reveals things about us for us about situations, about life. But please know this, Jesus is alive. He still speaks and he wants to give you an apocalypse 
as well. And your apocalypse might not change the whole world. It might not impact the whole world, but it might change your world. It might impact other people's lives around you. And so let's just have this heart of, of hunger and humility today. Say, God, speak to me. I need you. You want to hear from God today? You want to meet from, with God today? Let's have this posture of hunger and humility. And we're going to go back into worship. And we're just going to go after God. And I believe that God's going to speak to you. God's going to meet you. And I just believe this is just going to be a, just a, a time that we're never going to forget as we just enjoy God today. So about seven months ago, as I was preparing the series and, and thinking ahead to, you know, we're going to take a break and come back. I really sensed that God was wanting us to take an extended worship time today and not just read through and study through the significant, like what on earth are these wild creatures that look like a lion, one like a man, all this kind of stuff. We're not going to go deep into that stuff today. I just really felt led for us to just worship the one on the throne. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to look at a few verses before we do so. But Revelation chapter 4 and 5 we're going to be in those, those chapters the next couple of weeks. They are so significant, guys. They are foundational for the rest of the book of Revelation. It gives us the foundation that we're going to build upon. Before we go into end time eschatological events, this is where we need to start. We need to, it's a foundation on the Holy Father and the next week, the Worthy Son. That's what chapter 4 and chapter 5 are all about. And if you thought chapter one was powerful, chapter four and five take it to a whole nother level. We see the power and the importance of prayer and worship in chapters four and five. And what we're drawn into in, in chapter four is this incredible scene of worship that's going on around the throne room of God. And I pray that you would be captivated by the scene today so much that, that, that the Lord would just draw you in to experience him today. Hmm. So verse one, after this, after these messages that Jesus has given to him about the seven churches, after this, he says, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and a voice I had uh, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Come up here. Everybody say, come up here. I love this invitation that Jesus gives to John. John turns and he looks and he sees there's a door, a doorway to heaven. And, and, and Jesus in this loud trumpet-like voice just beckons to him and he calls him. He says, come up here. And I got this sense as I read this months ago that this was the call that Jesus has given you today. Come up here. I want to meet with you. I want to show you who I am. I want to reveal myself to you further in a more powerful, more clear way. This is the call for us today, guys. Jesus is calling to you and he's saying, come up here. In verse two, he says, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. I love that. It's all he can say. He's caught up in the spirit, in the presence of God. He sees the throne. And who's sitting on the throne? Someone. 
You know, everybody's looking for a someone, right? Everybody's looking for a special someone. Some of you, maybe you're still looking for that special someone that's going to make you happy for the rest of your life. They're going to fulfill all your dreams. They're going to satisfy all your needs. That Where's that special someone that you long for? Can I tell you where that someone is right now? That someone is on the throne. And he's calling you to come up here. And he wants to meet with you. Someone wants to meet with you today. And he knows everything about you. And he still loves you. And he wants to meet with you today. And he wants to show you who you are. There's someone on a throne. And he wants to meet with you today. Man, we go through the rest of this. John has this incredible picture. Of, I'll, just, I'll just read verse 3 only. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircling the throne. He goes on to, to describe there's 24 thrones, there's 24 elders, they got white robes and crowns, and there's thunder and there's lightning. I mean, just picture just the, the, amazing, like the awesomeness of this scene. Uh, just the picture, the imagery, the, the sound. You kind of get this impression that... The, what's going on in, in, around the throne room of heaven is not this. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. God is an awesome God. Like, it's not subdued by any means, guys. You, what, what, what John sees and then what he hears is like lightning flashing, peals of thunder. I mean, picture monsoon season in Phoenix. When we moved to Phoenix, that was one of our favorite things. Like, man, this is awesome. Like this rain and the house is shaking. I mean, this is before I had a pool and it ruined my pool and I had to clean it out. Now I, get, I don't enjoy them as much. But it's like, think about monsoon season. Your house is just shaking. And this is what's going on in the worship around the throne that John is seeing. This is awesome. Incredible. This is an amazing picture of worship. And what I love about Revelation chapter 4 is, again, because Revelation is about his kingdom. Jesus is opening the curtain. He's opening the veil for us to see what's going on in the spiritual realm. And we see the worship that is taking place in the spiritual realm right now. And it's incredible. It's, it, it's, it's amazing. And here's what they're declaring. All these creatures, these elders, all these the angels around the throne, everybody is declaring this. In verse 8, the second half, it says this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy. If those words sound familiar... Maybe it's because you understand this vision and this encounter that Isaiah had in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 6. I mean, Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 4 and 5, these are two of the most profound encounters that a human has with God in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is caught up in the throne room of God. And he sees similar things. And 
they're, 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 they're crying, they're singing, they're declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That was 800 years before this moment. For 800 years, apparently, they're singing the same thing. They're declaring the same thing about who God is. And they're not getting tired of it. Isn't it amazing how we can get tired of worship songs in the church? I don't like that song anymore. We've sung it too much. It's, it's, it's played out. I mean, I hear it on the radio all the time. When we sing it at church. It's like, it doesn't do anything for me anymore. I'd change the words. I'd change it to this. You know, it's amazing how we can become judges of worship songs and just like we can respond based upon if we like the song or not. Yet here we have all these elders, these people, these saints in heaven, these angels, they're declaring the same thing over and over and over for centuries. And it doesn't bother them a bit. Why? Because of who they're fixed on because of who they're fascinated with. It doesn't matter the, the words. They're so fascinated with the Holy One, with the someone who's sitting on the throne. It's just all about Him, and it's not about us. Maybe we've made worship more about us than about Him. Maybe we've made it more about how I feel about it than about the someone who's on the throne. And today, I want to make it about the someone on the throne. Let's not worry about the words. Let's not judge the words. Let's just go after the one on the throne. You know, when you look at a sunset or a sunrise, they're so beautiful. And do you ever get tired of that? You don't ever get tired of sunsets and sunrise, right? It's just so beautiful and amazing. You can watch it over and over and over again. You think about the one who created that for us. He is bigger. He is greater. And I pray that we would never, ever, ever grow tired and weary of just worshiping the one on the throne. Even it's the same song, same song again and again, because it doesn't really matter. What matters is him and who he is. I remember the first time I went to the Grand Canyon when I moved here. And I stood at the edge and I was like, this is awesome. Like no picture has ever done this justice. It is incredible. Like this is like massive. Someone recently told me you could put like New Jersey in there. I was like, what? It's incredible. And you just, just think about it. I've stood on cliffs looking out over mountains. I've watched sunsets on beaches. And I'm like, just think about the God who created all this. God is far greater, far more beautiful than any of those things. That's the creation. Can we just get so fixated and fascinated by the creator? We just, just want him. We just want to enjoy him. We just want to look to him. You know, Jesus said that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. I, I, I believe that to worship in truth means that you and I worship from our heart. It, it's genuine. It's not fake. We're not making this up. This isn't karaoke time. This is genuinely coming from my heart. I mean this. Worship in spirit means there's a supernatural connection between me and God. Something supernaturally happens as, as my spirit connects with the spirit of God. It's a worship in spirit and in truth. If you've never said yes to Jesus and committed your life to him, I'd encourage you to do it today because something amazing happens as you would commit your life to Jesus, ask for forgiveness for the sins that he took 
your sins on the cross, ask for forgiveness of those sins. He comes inside of you. You are a new person. You have a new heart. You're a new creation. And his spirit comes inside of you. And then in that moment, your spirit goes from death to life. And now you can connect with the spirit of God. And it changes worship. It's why people don't enjoy worship in church because their spirit's dead. That's why. I remember that for me. It's like I used to hate church. And then all of a sudden, like Jesus had rocked my world. My spirit came alive. And like, I love church. I just want to worship. I just want to be with God. And it happens. And so it's like, it's like the light bulb comes on. But what it is, is it's your spirit's alive. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And I, as we do that, God can take us to places only he can take us. Only he can take us. And remember, the invitation is this. Come up here. Come up here. So, hey, guys, we're going to go on a journey through Revelation. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. We're going to learn some cool stuff. But can I just say this? 100 years from now, you and I will not be fascinated with end times, timelines, and eschatology, theology. We will be fascinated with the one who's on the throne. Because he is the only one that really matters. So I want to encourage you to stand your feet right now. We're going to pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.